Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. Thanks for being with us. We have the always entertaining and exciting Patrick Coffin with us tonight, once again, filling the center spot on the panel. Before we get started, of course, we want to start everything off with a prayer. And my good friend, Father Richard Heilman, I turn this over to you. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Right. Thank you very much, Father. All right, everybody, before we get started, I want to thank everybody who always supports this work that we do with the U.S. Grace Force podcast. Thank you for your prayers and your feedback, your comments, your support. Uh, those who'd like to continue to support us or help us out in any financial way, please click the link in the description below and check out the Patreon program. You can join the team and help us get this word out, reach as many hearts and souls and lives as possible. Very important messages to get out, especially in the times that we're in. We can't take any, any moment for granted. And that's really a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. This is Patrick Coffin. He's a friend of the U.S. Grace Force. Patrick and I have been Friends, for years, I've known you, Patrick, from, it was in prison, I think we met. You were in residence and I was visiting, I think, something like no, that. You said so, that you were innocent and I agreed to visit you, sir. But That's what it was. Okay. I, knew, I knew one of us was, yeah, one was visiting the other. I can't remember exactly how that rolls out there. But uh, you're out there in California still, I, uh, California, I believe, still, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the People's Republic of the, um, the uh, CCP sock puppetry of Governor Hergel Nuisance, yes, coming, coming live from behind enemy lines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and you do got to keep a sense of humor, especially with everything that's unfolding. Uh, this yeah. is just getting, it's, it's like every day there's another shoe dropping and things keep adding up. And I know this is, yeah. now we've addressed a topic on this show before, uh, The Great Reset. And you're working on a film on this now. Tell us a bit about this. And we're going to cut to a trailer in a little bit here, but give us a little rundown before we break to the trailer. Yeah, thanks, Doug. It's called The Greatest Reset. And it is a um, full-scale Hollywood-level quality product by our directors, Matt Scow and Nick Stumphauser. They're out of Florida and uh, they've got a great track record of just, they just crush the visuals and the storytelling. And I'm honored to be a producer of that um, film. I was brought in initially as an interview subject. Um, we filmed my uh, the first of my two interviews at the Church of St. Michael in the Norbertine Abbey out here in Silverado. And um, then they realized that I I knew an average, uh, more than the average bear, who would be a fantastic uh, presenter in the in the movie. So I ended up getting kicked upstairs as a producer. But it's a crack team. They're so good. the The Twitter feed has most of the uh, the edited trailers that we've put together so far. It's at greatest underscore reset. Um, the main URL is greatestresetmovie.com. It's twenty five plus experts, um, essentially describing the beast system that is being built around us the latest in in the one percent of elite oligarchs that run the show uh to corral as many human beings into a position of uh, supine compliance as they can using uh, SARS-CoV-2 as the cover this time around this is the latest in a, in a series of fear products that is designed to keep people anxious and nervous and afraid and therefore easier to manage so I'm, I'm really happy with it so far. We've, we've wrapped up all our interviews. The final interview subject is someone you may have heard of before, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, the former papal nuncio to the United States. And he just gives a jaw-dropping prophetic message 
about uh, not only deep, deep church and deep state, but just the just the action of the Holy Spirit in in the midst of what seems like in in you know impenetrable mysteries and and uh, a scenario that at sometimes seems scary and hopeless. So that's a, a great supernatural frame to it. So uh, I'm 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 super happy to be involved with it, and and I love what the the trailers that have been put together so far. Looking to launch in early 2020. Awesome. 2020. 22. Excuse me. Yeah, we time we pierce the time space continuum. We go back two years before COVID and pick it up for you. That's amazing. I know that I, I, I remember someone doing that. Um, he was a crazy professor with, with Michael J. Fox, but I didn't know, you know anybody else could travel through time like that. So that's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Well, let's cut to the trailer. I want everybody to see this uh, trailer. You've got several trailers on the website here. They can click the link in the description below and go on out and check that out. We definitely want to encourage everybody to do that and definitely to spread the word to as many people as possible about this. This type of information, these type of uh, guests that you've got on here are just essential to hear from, especially now. There's so much uh, information out there that's being suppressed and beat down. So uh, we need to get that word out. So everybody take a look at the trailer for The Greatest Reset. In Noah's day, no one believed him. The rain began in the middle of the day when the sun was shining. I wouldn't use the term angry. I, I am in a perpetual state of controlled rage. And why wouldn't I be? I would tell the people watching this in, in, in 50 years, 2020 was the year the world changed. Global crisis requires global response, and that justifies global governance. The world is off its axis. There are no rules anymore. This is about survival. This is about taking care of our family and our friends. Everything is off now. The goal, quite clearly, appears to be reordering a new society, a greatly reset society, that is ordered after the image of man, not the image of God. All of the evil societies in human history went evil precisely by building a city of man. There has always been an impulse in humanity that we could call evil. Cecil Rhodes's biographer wrote an article called Government by Journalism. And for them, journalism meant propaganda. It didn't mean truth. They're told what to believe by the mainstream media and they believe it, they hook, line and sinker. People believe that journalists, all journalists are honorable. I mean, at this point, we're living in, in a virtual asylum of people that seem willing to believe whatever they're told if it somehow provides them a false sense of security. And I would argue again, there is no security hiding in your cabin on the Titanic. The ship is going down. What you're watching now is the truth of what happened from people talking about it who don't have an agenda. This whole crisis, the whole thing, the Great Reset, behind all of it is a spiritual battle. Our enemy is Satan. This is an apocalyptic battle between good and evil. There's no better side to stand on than the side of truth. 
and the side of justice and the side of honesty. The stakes are higher than they've ever been. It's at like the, an existential crisis for the species. I thought to myself, God is blessing me to be on the front lines of this and I get to, I get to go into battle against these people. So when you talk about what they're trying to do to this world, I've seen something different. I've seen God move when we thought it was impossible. So, Patrick, uh, I mean, the trailer says an enormous amount, and there's you got several trailers out there on this, and there's a lot of little pieces out there. Um, one of the key things I know, Father, and I wanted to talk with you about tonight more specifically, because there's a lot you could go into, and we only have you know, the, the limited amount of time here in the podcast, but mm -hmm. specifically this idea of compliance. And, you know, we're working on a, on a film right now ourselves. We'll be coming out uh, early, probably spring of 2022 called Doom to Repeat It. And it gets to the story before the story, the fear factor, you know, the, the battle within the, the human brain, the, the emotional, spiritual, physical aspects of what beats somebody down in fear. And I know you've got some of that aspect it probably in, in, this, uh, in this movie you've got going. But the compliance part, which I know fear plays into, and I mean, we're built a certain way by God. There's a design to the human brain. And the way it is structured, we can be beat down into a position of compliance. Someone puts a lab coat on, someone puts a badge on, someone puts a collar on. Authority figures can easily really carry a heavy stick and put people in a really compromising position. But talk a little bit about the idea of compliance. And then also this doctor and this, this whole experiment, Milgram, we want to get to the Milgram experiment because you've got a great video out on that. And uh, we, we want to break this down so people can really pay attention to what's happening. Well, Jesus calls us sheep. And uh, the, the late great French philosopher René Girard uh, describes it as mimetic desire. Um, mimetic desire is simply the insight that human beings are made, as you say, Doug, in a certain way. And the uh, one deep manifestation of the way we're made is our natural desire to imitate what other people are doing. We want to love what they love. We want to hate what they hate. We're willing, willing to participate in office gossip. We're willing to stand uh, outside for, for hours and hours every Black Friday. If there's a big movie coming out, people will literally camp out because other people are doing it. Look at what happens in, in uh, trends, um, fads. Remember the ice bucket challenge? This is a really good yeah. example of compliance. 2015, I think, maybe 2016, there was this big campaign to raise money for ALS research and involved dunking yourself with a bucket of ice, um, ice water. Millions and millions of people around the world participated. It didn't really move the needle at all on ALL, uh, ALS research. However, uh, people felt good about themselves for that moment, and they were kind of participating in some grand global event. And so... Um, given the fact that we we imitate what other people do we're, we're prone to want to follow a leader and jesus says you know my sheep know my voice um and sheep will either follow a good shepherd or they will follow a a hireling who's going to be fear-based or they'll follow um a wolf right so um mobs are very easy to control mobs generally are charged with negativity they're charged with kind of groupthink. Um, and the, the greatest example of a mob and groupthink is the mob that yelled, crucify him. And so if you can, if you're in control and you can get a mob to move in a certain way, 
um, you don't need to pass a lot of laws because you're going to count on the people's fear of a possible retribution so that they'll step in line. So now with, let's say, COVID-19, for an example, masks that literally not only don't work, but are shown to have medical um, side effects and risks, especially for children, people still feel like they have to wear them. Even though there's no police officer, no law was passed, there's a kind of built-in compliance. Well, what if someone says a bad thing about me? What if someone confronts me? What if there's a Karen up in my grill? Then what am I going to do? So it becomes important, especially for baptized Christians, to be willing to stand out. And you're not causing a scene, you're not being provocative for, for provocation's sake, but you're living your life according to reason. You're not succumbing to psychosis. You're a critical-minded, independent thinker. And that's a rare quality today. And I think if we can get 3% of the population to stop complying with this, we have a chance of putting it all in the rearview rear window. It doesn't have to be 20% or 40. Really, only if you think about it, only 3% of the colonists were willing to fight against the British. Mm -hmm. And that worked. So that it has a way of fanning out its influence. Mm -hmm. So, um, and this is why I became really interested in the Stanley Milgram experiments. I'd heard about them in university. And with uh, this global compliance that really came down in the same week of March, 2020, news editors, TV anchors, local governors, mayors were all saying the exact same talking points within a seven day span. And uh, Stanley Milgram had this, uh, insight in 1961 he was paying attention to the the trial in jerusalem of adolf eichmann one of the last nazis to be hunted down he was on trial in in, um, in jerusalem for his crimes and his defense was basically in german bifel ist bifel an order is an order so milgram devised a little experiment to see how willing strangers would be to inflict pain on other strangers so he created this mock experiment about memory. How, how quickly can you memorize word pairs? But what the people who were the, the students didn't realize is that the teachers in the experiment were, um, the, the teachers were themselves the subjects. The listener behind a wall was a paid actor. And so Milgram decided, well, I'm gonna have them deliver a dose of electricity to correct the person when he gets a wrong answer. And so it went from like 15 volts all the way to 400 plus volts to severe shock. And before he did any of this, he did a little poll in and around Yale University where he, where he taught psychology. And he polled people on what, what percentage do you think of people in a, in a test like this would administer a fatal dose to someone who was a learner and they were getting so many questions wrong, they had to be continually punished. What percent will get to the, the lethal you know, zap of energy? electricity. And the highest estimate was 1.2%. A group of psychiatrists said, if you get one-tenth of 1%, one you'll be, that, that'll be a good day. Well, Milgram found out to his horror, and it's, this is the reason why he didn't go to Germany and replicate his findings, is it's 65% went all the way. Yeah. Under the steam, the pressure of a doctor who's got a white lab coat, who's got a clipboard, saying you must continue and there was a whole script that the actor would say you must continue the experiment requires that you go on and some of them were like i, I the guy's he's gonna have a heart attack in there i can't do this oh we'll be responsible sir you're being paid continue with the experiment 65 percent. so that that gives you an insight into the fallen human heart and our willingness to comply to an authority figure
that's why Milgram's experiment shed so much light on what we're looking at today. Yeah. I was going to say, um, you know, as a priest, I'm listening to so many stories mm -hmm. and I'm referring mainly to parents and they're, you know, the children <clears throat> that are getting caught up into this, all this group thing yeah. and, uh, and turning on their parents. Uh, we also, we see people who can't even go to holiday dinners anymore because they don't follow the group thing. And it, it, this is just so severe, Patrick. Um, yeah. I, I can't think of a time in history. Of course, we, we have all those images of uh, the train cards filled with people going to the concentration camps. So, I mean, yeah, but this is, it's so widespread, uh, this group think. It's, uh, how did we get here? How, how, how did they do that? There's a psychiatrist in Los Angeles who has a lot of insights into this. His name is Dr. Mark McDonald. In fact, he was a guest on my podcast last week. He has a book called The United States of Fear. And he calls it, in fact, he coined the phrase mass psychotic delusion. And Dr. McDonald has a kind of a historical angle on this. And he calls it grooming. We've been groomed by past, mostly manufactured traumas. And let me, let me just pick on one from the 60s. Let's just arbitrarily start there. It does predate the 60s, but most of your listeners might remember the Paul Ehrlich book called The Population Bomb. Remember that it came out the same year that Humana Vitae did. And the premise of the population bomb was that human um, propagation was going to outstrip human ability to feed everybody. And that by the year 2000, millions and millions would be starving. There'd be chaos and civil war. Well, none of it came true. Uh, then in the 70s, you had the coming ice age. It was a documentary narrated by uh, a then out of work, Leonard Nimoy, who played Spock in the Star Trek story, uh, yep. series. And uh, that's a, a straight-faced account on how any minute now this, we're going to get whacked by an ice age and it's going to be yeah. terrible. And they had footage. It's sort of the reverse opposite of uh, global warming. Oops, excuse me, climate change. Uh, but that was the late 70s. Then you had the myth of heterosexual AIDS and everybody's going to die of that. Then you had, in no particular order, Ebola, Zika yeah. virus, SARS-CoV-1, MERS, West Nile, murder hornets. Seeing a pattern here? Yeah. So... SARS-CoV-2 slash COVID is the latest in the stream of fear products that have made massive, massive amounts of people frightened and therefore compliant into doing what the oligarchs want them to do. Well, we see that just, just recently, the time we record this, we just had the, I mean, the, really the tragic uh, devastation of the tornadoes that ripped through, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois, that whole region there, Indiana and all mm -hmm. And, you know, 227 miles, they said this tornado stayed on the ground in one, at one point, uh, three quarters of a mile wide, devastating, the worst in history. Never been on the, never, uh, no tornado has ever been recorded to be on the ground that long. Mm -hmm. I turned to my wife when this came out, as tragic as the loss of life is, and it always is. We, we hate to hear these things and the devastation of it. I turned to my wife and I said, mark this, they're going to come out of the woodwork and start telling us this is all because of climate change and because of that. You know, some of these multi-gazillion dollar bills have to go through and all this. Well, the next day, the head of FEMA comes out and she says, this is our new normal. We have to get used to this because of climate change. Mm -hmm. uh, Biden speaks to it as well. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's the constant. And this is the stuff we have found and we've been doing research for Doom to Repeat it is, you know, the psychologist that we were uh, up in um, uh, Idaho that we just interviewed, Dr. Joe Lepetsky points out that, you know, the same thing you found, I'm sure, Patrick, is that the constant hammering of this affects this amygdala gland in the brain 
And because of that, the prefrontal cortex does not have time to catch up and think and process what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. Then you add to that the suppression of the information and the threats that come behind anybody who starts to spread any misinformation. Yep. Okay. Oh, the chilling effect that Father Heilman, you talk a lot about, these chilling effects that are out there to silence us and keep us in line. You know, it's again, um, we interviewed uh, Dan Schneider, who works with Father Chad Ripperger, and we did this for an episode of Battle Radio on EWTN. And we were talking about spiritual warfare, and he talks about how, you know, demons, the interaction with human beings and so forth. And at one point, he referred to when cows are moving through, um, you know, the, the corrals that are made up to direct them and guide them to get on a, on a truck to go to a meatpacking plant or whatever. If one of the cows even puts its head up and starts to turn the head, that's the cow they go after. Because once one starts to do it, the others will start to follow that one if mm -hmm. that one starts to look like it's going to rebel or revolt. So they have to get after that one cow right away and make an example of it so the other cows will stay in line. Yeah. So all these different examples, Patrick, you know, we see out there. And in the Milgram experiment, I find it amazing because I watched the video that you have out on this, and I'm encouraged people to go check this out. Uh, you know, you, you, uh, you've got great, great videos out there on all these pieces that are, that are coming out with the movie, but the Milgram experiment, um, it, it, talk a bit about if you can, I mean, in the video you see, and you put the clips in there and I, we'll get some pictures up here of, of Milgram and, and some of the clips here. The one guy in particular is turning to him as if he's saying, well, I, I can't keep doing this. This, this guy's getting hurt. I mean, you can tell he's really struggling with this moment, but mm -hmm. he continues on. Speak a little bit more about that moment when an individual is really scratching their head thinking, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. But you're right. Someone says, we'll take responsibility. How does that still remove the, the, the impact of the individual who's actually pushing the button to inflict some sort of pain or put some sort of mandate in place that can really devastate and lock down an entire society? Well, this is the terrifying thing that he discovered, that these people, 65% of them, were struggling. Very few of them were, you know, classic sadists. Oh yeah, I can't wait to zap the guy. Let's get to the, the lethal right. dose first. Most struggled. There was a, a moment where they said, you know, you can just see the, the cogs turning. I can't keep doing this. Uh, I don't know this guy, but boy, I don't want to be responsible for some health problem. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So when you learn that 65% went, not just so that the guy is screaming, I mean, there, it was actually a recording that they only, they, they did once so that all the reactions would be identical. The lethal dose was administered and then followed by silence. So the person who was the subject slash teacher knew there's a good chance I just killed someone hmm. or I've rendered them unconscious and they can't yell anymore. Now, some of them, if you watch the documentary that Milgram made called Obedience, some of them said, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done. Oh, but the, the experiment requires that you uh, continue. And they just let up a cigarette. Yeah, I don't care. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm absolutely done. Stop asking me. So most people say when they watch those people, oh, I'd, I'd be like that guy for sure. I mean, I mm -hmm. would heroically bet. Who knows uh, under those conditions when you've been uh, paid a little bit of money, when you have uh, been assured that it's not going to be your fault, um, when you, you know, under the, the, the ever watchful eye of a doctor. I mean, you're not a doctor. Surely they've done this before. They know what they're doing. But it doesn't make them less responsible. They did pull the switch mm. and it is on them. Yeah. And uh, that's the lesson of the Milgram experiment. Now, there were several different iterations of the same idea. Some of them were in the room where they could see the person. 
Now those were a much lower compliance level. So mm. part of it was the anonymity of not being able to see them, you know, writhe and presumably, you know, wincing as they screamed. But um, as it is, it's, it was wildly beyond what Milgram initially thought and what everyone that he polled thought would be the result. You know, what we're going through right now seems more severe than any other time. I mean, I, I, I heard your list um, of all the ways they pulled the fear button mm -hmm. on us. But, uh, you know, you can even bring in the whole uh, George Floyd thing last year and mm -hmm. the streets all erupting. And, yep. and there they were inciting it you know and and then uh giving them a hero's badge for for doing it uh yes. for yeah and and so you know they were incentivized uh, uh incentivized to to do all that uh domestic terrorism that destruction uh last year mm -hmm. uh and we cowered in our homes and and uh fearful to go out on the streets i mean there was a point too where people if you had the wrong political sign out in front in your front yard you know, you, you were afraid so your house would get burned down. I remember, I remember last year, 2020, driving down the street, and there's this, uh, this amazing house where every holiday they have tons and tons of uh, amazing decorations out front. It's, it's fun, and it's, it's, it's a joy to drive by. And this was Halloween, and they had all their typical ones. And I said, how are those still standing? And mm -hmm. I drove by the next day. They weren't. They were all torn down. Mm. That's where we were. Yeah, so... It seems to me, Patrick, that something um, emboldened or, or maybe even uh, they felt like, and I have, I have one theory as to what triggered them to, to go full on as they've done with the virus, with, with uh, you know, t domestic terrorism, everything they, 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 they've, they've been pulling us. Uh, and I think it was because they were losing ground. Uh, we had a, a, a wrecking ball in the, uh, Oval Office, and and they just threw every they. I, and one theory I heard along the way too was they were planning to pull these levers like five years from now, but they felt like they had to do it now. I, I, mm -hmm. I don't know about any of that. That's that can go in the realm of conspiracy mm -hmm. theory. But what do you think, Patrick? I mean, d d d there was this explosion uh, or this intensity, uh, obviously in 2020. Do you think that that something did bring them to this? point that now's the time now we're, we're moving in we're taking over i think the timing is suspect and um if you pay attention to the work of dr david martin who's an expert in ip and patent acquisition he says that year 2002 was was huge and it's all it's about bill gates and tony fauci all the interpenetrating uh alliances uh both cultural and financial um, if you watch the Tony Fauci speech from Georgetown University in 2017, he yep. predicts a coming vaccine. I believe it has something to do with the presidency of Donald J. Trump. I don't think it's only that. And I do think that they, they rushed this bioweapon out a little early and they yep. didn't get the compliance that they want. So if you look at poor old Joe Biden looking down the barrel of, of his camera, reading the talking points that are given to him, talking to people like me, pure bloods, right? Unvaxxed, I'm never taking it. Right. Uh, we're losing patience with you. Well, this heavy duty pressure now to get 100% compliance to the vaccine is very important to the oligarchs because they have to remove the control group. You have to remove the number of, the proportion of people, you have to reduce it as close to zero as you can so that when injuries and deaths come because of the vaccination, which has already begun, 
just look at uh, compilations on Rumble of soccer players keeling over. 60x yes. more than in previous um, soccer history. It's, it's outrageous. So with the more people that are uh, injected, the easier it is to explain why people are dropping dead. They can blame it on anything. Whereas the, if the proportion of the unvaccinated is higher, then it becomes obvious to people who are paying attention that there's one group suffering myocarditis, clots, heart issues, major organ foundation uh, failures, and so on, and one group that isn't. And that's something that's not tolerable. They want yeah, to keep post-pandemic stress disorder. Did no, you know? no yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah PPSD. That's why people yeah. are having these adverse effects. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They're just yeah. making stuff up as they go along. Yeah. Can I mention something? You were, you were talking about uh, the herd, Doug, earlier mm -hmm. and managing cattle. Right. The pharmaceutical, well, the, the vaccination wing of big pharma is heavily reliant on the cattle industry. Mm. Think about the vision of the human person when, when they talk about culling the herd, herd immunity. The word vaccine itself comes from the Latin word cow. In Spanish, it's vaca. So it's it's mankind as cow. Wow. Hmm. Did that nothing do that. with them bar buying up all the farmland? The of course, States? Bill Gates is now the largest landowner in the United yeah. States. Mm -hmm. So they're going after food supply as well. Yeah. Surely you'll you'll enjoy bugs. After all, Klaus Schwab says we'll we'll own nothing and we'll be happy. This is the sort of stuff I know. This isn't conspiracy theory because they're not even hiding this anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. This this sort of stuff has been so out there for people to find. A lot of people are still so distracted. I think, Father, you always like to say that they just want to go golfing and shopping. Right? Right. Don't bother me with this kind of stuff. Don't, right. mm -hmm. don't share this stuff with me. But the problem with that is if we don't, I mean, the trajectory here is not good. I mean, everybody we've interviewed for our film, Doomed to Repeat It, is saying essentially the same thing. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you everything that they're saying because I want you to watch the movie because there's a lot of content in here that's really, really important to, to learn and pay attention to. But in general, if we don't respond, and like you know, you kind of referenced this a little bit ago, Patrick, about if we can get 3% of people to just wake up and say, hell no, <laughs> we're mm -hmm. not going this way, okay? Then maybe we cannot end up in this worldwide great reset where you know, by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy as they are openly saying on the World Economic Forum website, you know, the Davos meetings and all, I mean, I don't, you've done, you've had to have done a lot of research on this, but you look into this, Patrick, and you see the names of the people that come to the Davos meetings, the, these gatherings, they are, they are beyond, you know, touchable. I mean, by, by people, they are at such a level of, of wealth and influence and power. Mm -hmm. And it's freakishly, um, uh, wildly beyond imagination, beyond Orwellian, you know, that, that we are in the position that we're in and that it's unfolding right now as we speak. It's like every day something happens, Patrick. Do you not see this, that you're just waiting for the spin or you're waiting for the, as we mentioned earlier, the CEO of Pfizer says a fourth shot will most likely be needed now. Mm -hmm. Well, surprise, surprise, you know, anybody in their right mind looking at this saw this, sees this coming. New Zealand, Australia, Austria, Italy, Canada. You're Canadian. Are you American yet, by the way? American. This year, April. Nice. Yeah. All right, yeah. God bless America. And yeah, did a mask, did all the interviews, including the um, Pledge of Allegiance, signing all the documents without a mask. Yeah, I said, I can't, I was born and raised in a police state. I'm not, I'm not wearing a mask to do this. And they, they accommodated it. Good for you. Praise good, God. good. Well, talk a little bit about Canada, if you could, since that's your homeland. Well, I mean, they're, they're in a bad way right now up there. 
Canada is a is a sock puppet thanks to baby doc Justin Trudeau of the CCP. Justin Trudeau, the, the son of Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who was an, an avowed fan of communist governments, including the government in uh, Cuba. There was never any Canadian response to um, Cuba's excesses. The, many people all through the 60s, 70s and 80s and 90s had a strong diplomatic and economic relationship between Cuba and Canada. Uh, Justin Trudeau has never hid his admiration for the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Chinese troops have been pr given permission to train in the Arctic areas of, of, uh, of Canada. And there is a very strong collectivist spirit now in Canada under Trudeau. And most Canadians, uh, I mean, let's face it, most stereotypes are true. Canadians tend to be almost pathologically nice. We love to, uh, you know, have tea and, and keep it all on the lowdown. Whereas Americans put all their problems in the front of the store and there's fistfights everywhere. Uh, whereas, you know, you think about how America was founded versus Canada. America was founded on blood and war and guns and strife. Canada was founded in 1982 when the Queen came over and had tea with Justin's father, Pierre Trudeau. So Canadians are much more comfortable with big government. In fact, instead of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the Canadian motto is more peace, order, and good government. So mm -hmm. Canadians as a tribe are much more compliant to big government. And the media structures in Canada are so limited. They're so controlled by Big Brother there. Start the list with uh, the multi-billion dollar state media outlet, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, which is nothing more than the government's stenographer. So it's hard to find alternative voices there. Although there are some, I'll mention um, the Iron Will Show. Will Dove is a great podcast host up in Canada, um, out of Calgary. Um, you have Rebel News. So there are some, some patriotic mm -hmm. Canadians that are saying hell no, but they're just, they're harder to find up there. So yeah. Um, yeah, Canada, they're they're already building camps. Australian style internment camps are already built in Canada, and they t Canadians tend as a as a as a group to be much more willing to trust the government to their own detriment to their own suffering. Yeah, I I, I do believe this, and and first of all, I want to say I cannot wait for your film. Patrick. Oh, I thanks. Mean, yeah. Me, I've been me too. saying all along, why isn't anybody saying this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and really you can find little out there. You get, you got to roam around and find bits and pieces. This is exactly what's needed right now. But here's the thing that, that always stumps me because, um, you know, we're accused of being conspiracy theories for buying into this. And, uh, part of the, um, uh, part of the, the quandary that I find in, uh, in, in believing this is how do they stay in league with each other? You know, yeah. I, I just read something about Japan and I said, well, it looks like they're actually breaking from this elite, you know, new world order or Illuminati, you know, uh, this elite class, because it, it, they're, they're starting to, to, to put on the uh, vaccines, the, uh, there is adverse effects mm -hmm. and there's, and they're starting to record, the amount of adverse effects that are that are happening, um, and uh, and and they're not uh, mandating it, and and they're actually warning people that you know it's a choice you have to make. Uh, there are adverse adverse effects, and but I just bring that example up because that's the only one I know of really in the entire world. I mean, there's several countries. How are they all in league with each other? I don't. 
I don't understand. You would think there would be many that would break off and, and want to do the quote unquote right thing. Right. But yeah, it, Father, there's, there's literally none. You're hitting on something really important right here. And the, if you look at the number of countries that are more based, that are more kind of plugged into what's going on closer to red pill than blue pill, they tend to be strong nation states. They're nationalists, they're patriots. So look at Poland, look at Hungary, um, countries that have suffered from, from military might of their neighbors and so on. Uh, there's a burgeoning movement in France, interesting uh, pushback there in France. Um, the United States of America tends to be um, a country that is, I mean, they don't call it the Swedish dream, right? People don't get on a train and uh, a plane and an automobile to, to pursue the Mexican dream or the Honduran dream or the uh, even the Japanese dream. It's the American dream because we love our country. We love God and we love America. And so the more nationalist the country is, the more likely they are to not want to go along with all the organizations that begin with the word world. It's the World Health Organization. It's the World Economic Forum. Those are the 1% internationalist, globalist, Illuminati, Freemasonic oligarchs that want to control everyone. That's not conspiracy theory, it's conspiracy fact. How do I know this? Well, they hide it in books. Klaus Schwab wrote a book uh, last year called COVID-19 colon The Great Reset. Yeah. The Great Reset is, there's many ways to understand it, but uh, to me, the simplest way is, to, is to, to line it up as a synonym for the new world order. Mm -hmm. Famously mentioned in, in uh, January 1991 by George H.W. Um, Bush, uh, President, uh, so W's father. Um, if you do uh, compilations of different prime ministers, governors, and, and even royalty using this phrase, world, new world order, they're all in on it. I mean, they're all moving in this direction to reduce the spirit of nationalism, which is another reason why President Trump had to go. They, they just couldn't take his uh, wrecking ball. I mean, to me, I, I wasn't able to vote because I wasn't um, an American citizen in the last election. But President Trump, if I can get political just for a moment, he was the crowbar that both parties needed. He was by definition a disruptor of a yep. very stale system. And he, uh, I think he took a lot of people who are off, on the fence and pushed them over into the patriotic camp that were willing to see it's America alone. America is a very important uh, country in God's providence for the whole world. And the more international globalists we get, the worse it's going to be because this, all of this is a velvet glove or an iron glove, depending on your perspective, of the center hand, which is international Communism. Communism is by definition expansionist. Pay attention to the, the message of Our Lady of Fatima. Russia will spread her errors around the world. Mm. So if they can get America, I don't know what hope the world has. Right. Which, yeah, which and I was going to comment as you were going down that explanation right there. I was going to comment that that is the one key thing that Our Lady in Fatima did warn us about. I mean, July 13th, she shows the children the vision of hell. She tells them that God wishes to establish devotion to her immaculate heart to help save souls. She says there'll be a second world war if man does not stop offending God. And 21 years roughly later, it happens, 1938. And then the other thing that she mentions is Russia. And if Russia is not consecrated to my immaculate heart, she will um, spread the error of her ways. Russia will. And 
people who you know have looked at all into any of the the developments, the beginnings of communism in Russia. I mean, Bolshevik revolutions, and what the Bolsheviks did through fear tactics and violence, and I think they numbered like 20,000, give or take. I mean, in a, in a country that was like one hundred twenty five million, roughly. I mean, they were complete completely outnumbered, and yet through fear and the strategies and all that we see implemented in other countries and today here, even in the states they were able to accomplish what they did. So it's the one thing, the one key thing that she said was communism. Well, by saying Russia's, the era of Russia's ways. Um, and Patrick, I mean, when, when you see this as, as, as a Catholic and you've spoken about these things, I know over the years, and you see this coming together. Now, first of all, let me ask this question real quick. How many years have you been involved in some sort of evangelization or Catholic, you know, um, speaking? My first... Mm maybe the metric is writing. Uh, I've, I was a youth pastor conference speaker uh, since I was a teenager. Uh, my first paid writing job was 1991 with an article in the Toronto, hmm. well, it's, a, it's a national newspaper called the, the Catholic Register out of Toronto. And uh, back then it was Father Carl Matthews, a Jesuit of the old school who was the publisher. So I wrote an essay called Televangelism's Once Good Name on my, my spiritual father, Bishop Sheen. So 30 years, I suppose, um, wow. all told. And, and, you, and you did, I've, I've been doing it too. I started in 1990 um, when I officially formed Radix, the Catholic Apostolate, yeah. and started to travel and speak. Before that, I was just doing you know, youth group work locally and all. But, mm -hmm. um, and then you did some radio thing. I, I forget what it was. Some, there was some radio host job you had with it's somebody. It's vaguely familiar. Yeah, it was South of Here, uh, yeah, Methodist Answers Live, something like that. Yeah, yeah I can't remember. Anyway. So in these 30 years that you've been doing all this work, because I always think about this, I, I spoke about these things 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago, Fatima and Our Lady's warnings, you know, and even Sister Lucia talking about, you know, the, the devastation, uh, she's a uh, uh, horrendous um, vision that she saw, you know, um, the third secret, all these different things that are out there. And then other Marian apparitions, approved and unapproved. And I know you're you're you've looked into some of these as well. And I only speak of the ones that are approved. I mean, the ones mm -hmm. that I think you can really put your your trust in, you know. And one of the ones that really stands out in comparison to what's going on now is Rwanda. You know, what they did in Rwanda, and our lady showed the children 12 years before the genocide happened in 1994. She gave them a vision, an idea of what it was going to look like. They've been devastated by it. The trees are exploding. Why are they chopping? The kids were crying out, these teenage girls. River of blood, so many bodies were thrown into the river in Rwanda, the, the main river there. Bodies were strewn everywhere. And if anybody looks at any documentaries or pictures of this, the bodies were left there because you know no one would go pick them up for a great length of time. So the decomposition was, was just it was it was it was dark as you can you can say. I, I don't know how you describe this because it was a genocide where the people were turning on each other, the neighbors were turning on neighbors. And going back to the, the Milgram experiment that people would be willing to inflict pain on another person, that there'd be some mm -hmm. coercion or convincing of this to happen. When neighbors were killing neighbors, you know, one day you're, hey, how you doing, Jim? How's it going, Bob? Hey, Susan. And then the next day, oh, the president's plane goes down April 7th, 94, and boom, this explosion happens, and everybody's slaughtering, and the sexual assault was in, in the hundreds of thousands. It was as horrendous and dark as it could be in three months' time. Mm -hmm. These people were willing to break and do this. Here right now we're seeing people willing to turn people in 
for not having a, I, I don't know you call it the face diaper, you know, turn people in, in a store, go to a manager and say, Hey, over there, aisle seven, you know, people not wearing that face diaper and so forth. And, and the constant ramping up of this, and I'm curious your comment on what I've just said about this, the, the Marian apparitions and we're now we're speaking about this, Patrick and father, you as a priest over 30 years, and we're seeing it unfold. I mean, we talked about this sort of stuff years ago, and now it's happening in front of us. And now we're at a point where um, the, our, our lead medical professional, the only one who gives us any real solid direction in the, in the press now, he's been anointed and appointed, um, you know, to the Fauciites who bow before him, is now saying that we need to do vaccine checks at the door of your house before people yeah. come in for Christmas. Yeah, good your, little stuff. Yeah, good little Stalinites. Yeah. Um, our, our lady's a mother, and she loves her children. Uh, mothers always want to warn kids if there's any kind of danger, whether it's a hot stove or a, a street with traffic on it. You mentioned Our Lady of Cabejo. Um, I could add to that Our Lady of Akita, mm -hmm. approved by the local bishop. So these are these are not doom and, do, doom and gloom, uh, scarifying messages. They're messages of hope because they're focused on the choices we can make regarding repentance and seeing things as they really are. Um, it's not only Karens and stores and store managers. Uh, let's let's uh, let's say the quiet part out loud and include priests and pastors that mm -hmm. won't let Catholics have access to the sacraments because of this massive deception. As a Catholic, that's the hardest for me to swallow. It does not compute with me that the the Church um, uh, prior to March 2013, most uh, I would say 100% of previous pontiffs would have been the biggest stick in the mud for the globalist plans. Mm -hmm. Look at all the enemies that John Paul II earned. Right, they're they're almost the whole thing is flipped into a, a, a almost a carnival reverse photo now. Um, yeah, you know, Patrick, I don't yeah. just jump in on that. I I gotta say, I agree with you on that. To me, that has always been one of the darkest examples of where we are. That that, mm -hmm. that our that our church leaders are have done this and are still going along with this. The segregation to the you know you know mass this side, unmask this side. You can't get into churches in some places without a vaccine passport. Yeah. Um, but the restriction of the sacraments, especially, it just to me that's just it. It's beyond. It's beyond. It's just beyond words. I, I don't know who said this, but it's true. I've tried to find the quote. Maybe you can. Doug, you, you've got crack researchers there, I know. Um, a crisis, everybody listen up. Listen up, everybody. Okay. A crisis go. does not build character. It only reveals it. Hmm. So how, how the Catholic Church, um, now there are exceptions. Our, our co-host here is, is certainly one of them. Most Catholic prelates, especially the ones with the magentas or the red hats, totally rolled over on this. They just kind of got exposed as as a group that are not willing to fight against Caesar, even when their own people are hurting and suffering. And there's a large swath of the Catholic population that are not going to come back to Mass anytime soon because their own leaders have explained to them that watching Mass on a laptop is more or less the... the uh, the equivalent of receiving the body and blood, soul and divinity of, of Jesus Christ in his Holy Eucharist. And of course, it's not the same. But over time, Jesus calls us sheep. If someone with a Roman collar and an magenta hat goes by your excellency saying this, people are, they're going to be compliant. They think, well, isn't the church authoritative? Shouldn't we be obedient? And that's, I mean, we could talk about the misuse of the virtue of obedience, maybe another show for another day, but, um, the, the the compliance army is certainly 
not challenged by most of our bishops, I'm sad to report. Patrick, could I get your reaction about what I'm about to say? Okay. Uh, and Doug's heard this, and I have a theory. And my theory is, is that right now, evil is so aggressive and so obnoxious and so arrogant and so uh, overreaching, okay, that it's being exposed. And there's signs of that already. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, do you, uh, my, <clears throat> my theory is, <clears throat> excuse me, my theory is, is that um, in God's permissive will, he's allowing this uh, so that uh, evil can be seen for what it is. I think a, a lot of uh, what evil has done up until now, uh, because again, I think we're in historic times right now, is, uh, is, is do their, their, their work behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. then you were called a conspiracy conspiracy theory if you called them out uh, because we weren't seeing all of it. Well, no, we're seeing. Well, we're seeing it all now, you know. And and so and it gets to the prayer that us priests pray to um, every every day. It's the Magnificat. It's it's probably my favorite prayer. But mm -hmm. he has uh, uh, he has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones. And lifted up the lowly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he sent the rich away empty, right? Um, it, it, every time I pray, that, especially in the last couple of years, I'm like, "Bring it, God!" You know, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I just wonder, you know, is is and again, that's my hopeful self. But and I'll end with this: is that I've come to understand that this darkness that's flooded in right now requires Christ's light, but we're called to be that light. But we mm -hmm. got to get filled with Christ first, and that's why I'm at, I'm an advocate, especially for confession and adoration, because you know you you clean house with confession, then you get filled up as you're as you're sitting there before the glow of the the uh, the blessed sacrament, um, and then you bring that light out to the world. Anyway, um, I, I don't know. Do, do do you think that that's possibly what's going on? Is is evil is just he, gone way overboard? Uh, overreaching and now it's about ready to crash father i think uh, once again you've you've laid your sacerdotal hand on uh, on the heart of it here uh the devil always eventually overplays his card yep when i started coffin nation uh, 2000 uh 2016 um the way i put it was it feels like we're all galloping toward the abyss yeah. Well, now it feels literally like the abyss is galloping toward us. Look yeah. how many things have become normalized so fast. Let I me know. start the let me start the list with transgenderism. I'm writing Let's a book for Sophia. Start with gay marriage. Uh, That's only six years old. Uh, you know, two, yeah. 2015. It, we, you can go back and back and back to no yeah. divorce, 1969, the rejection of humana vitae. Yeah. Um, 1930 with the Anglicans, but uh, just in the last five years, you go from no one really talking about a boy being a girl. Right. through lopping off a body part or adding a cocktail of, of hormones. Now it's it wants so badly to be the default cultural setting such that even the military has gone woke. Look at um, Rachel Levine, I guess a rear admiral in, in the uh, US Navy. The photo of this man who thinks he's a woman is the oligarchs daring us to object. Mm. How about a swimmer? A man who uh, says he's a woman crushing swimming records. How about a mixed martial art man who now identifies as a woman uh, breaking in the skull of, of a girl fighter? Now, I, I think MMA for women is repellent, but the How point about is, any teenage boy can go share a shower with all the girls? 
Correct. As long as he claims he's a he's a girl. That's all he needs he to do, right? In. Yeah. So a lot of these uh, isms have just been galloping toward us. Um, and if you speak up, you're, you're one of the phobes, right? You're a homophobe or an Islamophobe or, or, or a racist or a conspiracy theorist. Or and you white. can't go to the holiday dinners because you're not doing the group think with everybody else. Correct. Yeah. And so most people, they don't like that social isol isolation. They don't like being called bad names. They don't want to be the, the object of some derisive comment, right. whether it's by a relative or someone on Twitter. But I think Christians who, who have put on Jesus Christ have to get over that. You just have to get out of your own way and realize this life is so short. I mean, Doug, you and I started around the same time. Mm -hmm. We're going on third, third, uh, three decades now. Mm -hmm. uh, hasn't it all just, it's just, it's right there. Oh, yeah. um, all, yeah. all the cliches are true. Life, life is short. Yeah. I got and, three day, um, decades of priesthood. Got, oh, fantastic. Thanks. Thank you for your priesthood. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I answered your question in what way? <laughs> oh, I, I know what, one thing I wanted to say is I never heard that line before that way from the Magnificat about casting the mighty down from their thrones. Yep. That's the devil. Yep. They were, the, the mighty were cast down by St. Michael the Archangel. Yep. And Mary's the queen of the angels. Right. So that the Magnificat certainly has a, a you know, because it's the word of God, there's this new contemporary resonance for that let and me jump in real quick i just sure. want to share my quick frustration my, my current frustration is we have been doing these um, incredible prayer campaigns i mean we, we've we've done eucharistic processions in downtown madison you know amidst all the destruction uh and so on and so on uh 50 40 rosemary you know, blah 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 mm -hmm. it's awesome and and but i ended up putting up something on on uh, social media the other day i just said prayer is the is the starting line it's not the finish line and mm -hmm. what I'm frustrated right now is, and I, Doug, I'm going to use the expression again, uh, is we're praying and then we're going shopping and golfing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like another, it's the Catholic version of the Protestant solas, right? Yeah. So, uh, sola grace, sola scriptura, sola fide. We don't have sola prayer. Okay. Yeah, prayer exactly. is, is necessary, but it's not sufficient. And she will crush the head and God wins in the end. And I'm going <laughs> shopping and golfing. And trust the know? plan. Yeah. Trust the plan. Let me go back to dancing with stars. Yeah. <laughs> Pray the rosary, shopping and golfing. God's got this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what I'm frustrated <laughs> with right now. No, I know. And, and as you see it unfold real time, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, you think about that, um, that short film, uh, Jason Jones is part of uh, Sing a Little Louder. Father, you've talked a lot about this. Right. And it's just, I don't know, Patrick, have you, have you seen Sing a Little Louder? No. Yeah, you it's a great. See, it's only like 10 minutes. It's yeah, really 10, 11 minutes, short little film. Yeah. And the, the essence of it is a pastor in a church. And, and outside the church is a train yard. And it starts off with an older gentleman flashbacks. He's, he's reminiscing. He's back in the area and he sees the church. And he's remembering when he was a boy in the church. He was probably 9, 10 years old. And the train cars or trains are going by and one day it stops and they can hear these voices in the train cars. And it, they're clearly, they're Jews being sent to the camps. And as they're crying out for help, as the train is just sitting there, uh, the pastor's preaching, he starts preaching louder and the voices are getting louder and then everybody's looking out the window a little bit. They're looking towards that, that direction. So he starts to sing and he in, gets the choir singing and, and they're all singing louder and it's sing a little louder, sing a little louder. And the whole idea is we see what's happening. And yet the whole idea is primarily about it's, it's, a, it's a right to life. It's a pro-life film, but we can apply it to where we are now with everything unfolding like it is now. 
And people yeah. are just, they're shopping a little more, you know, they're, they're binge watching a little more. Um, I saw a post on, on social media yesterday that IHOP, some IHOP restaurant put out saying, uh, you know, due to Joe Biden giving everybody too much money, we can't get anybody to work here. So we have to change our hours. So instead of 24 seven, they're doing like a 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. type thing now. Mm-hmm. And they actually put on the, on the sheet of paper that's eight and a half by 11 right there on the front of the door saying, this is due to the fact that we can't get people to work. And that's happening everywhere. I know you both have seen this. Everywhere I go, people are saying, I can't find employees. I mean, I think it was a picture out of us, California, maybe. Uh, Patrick, you, you see the marquees out there. They're advertising $20 an hour for uh, someone. And that's not a joke. It was $21 an hour on a marquee to work at McDonald's. $21 an hour. And they still can't fill all these positions. What's yeah. it, Father? I go, to the, <clears throat> I go to the local gas station and I'm got real friendly i'm like family with them there now and and i said uh, by the way you guys make more than i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> they do um by the way our, our crack research team uh got it figured out quickly for you patrick it was james lane allen who said james that lane. He, okay Fantastic. an american novelist uh died in 1925 uh born in lexington kentucky and the quote actually states that adversity um Adversity, ad, adversity does not build character, it reveals it. Uh, then there's another version of the quote that says, circumstances do not um, build character, they reveal man. They reveal a man. So, gotcha. Anyway, well, James Lane Allen. But I think that we're seeing that right now, Patrick, aren't we? Of, of course we are. Yeah. In a big you way. So are you, happy are, with, are, you, are you happy with how it's revealing everybody? Um, I have to say yes, because they're being truly revealed. Mm, um, certified go. good guys that you realize you're doing nothing you're just you you know how to virtue signal you can write a sternly worded letter i don't want to name names but some of the bishops who are certified good guys have not stood up as let's say protestant ministers have look at mm-hmm. pastor john MacArthur. okay the man does not have any sacraments to defend he sued governor nuisance and won eight hundred thousand dollar judgment he mm-hmm. never locked down his church he never imposed a limit on on worshipers and he didn't force the mask wow can we have some inspiration here? Yeah. No, I'm not, exactly. I'm not. I'm not a Protestant as he is, but I. I have to say, I deeply admire his willingness to think the way Saint Paul did. He said this in his interview with uh, with Laura Ingram, and I loved it. He said uh, when the Apostle Paul went into a new town, he didn't ask him about the hotels. He asked about the jails because he knew there's a good chance that's where he was going to end up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> How about Polowski up in Canada? Polowski? Yeah. Are you, are, you mix, are you conflating that with uh, with Pelosi? No, no. Polowski. He's the he's the the, the pastor in Canada who was arrested oh, yeah. on the highway. Yeah, you Nazi. Yeah, uh, Is that yeah, the guy who Pol- called them Nazis when they're? I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Get out! You're Nazis. Get out of the church. You're Nazis. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Ar- Ar- Arthur Pavelski. Yes. Yeah. An- another guy, Pastor um, James Coates. There's a there's a string of them, Canadians yeah. and and uh, and Americans, and they're they're a wonder to behold. There's an extra an Australian equivalent. She's a traditional-minded Catholic young woman, one of my heroes. Her name is Monica Smith. Um, in fact, she's my, my guest last week. Um, Monica Smith, outrageous what's being done to her. She spent 22 days in solitary, 24-hour confinement. This lovely 33-year-old young woman, um, of course, committing no crimes. Um, Australia has definitely become a sock puppet of the CCP. They've completely lost the plot. And I think America could go the way of Australia, but for that regnant resilient um 3%. bedrock three percent but also a little thing called the second amendment 
yeah. has prevented America from becoming Australia. Yeah. 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 Which, hey, Patrick, you, which we know uh, they're working on. Our time's run out. Uh, everybody, please, please yeah. tell me the name of the, the film again. It's, uh, it's called The Greatest Reset. Greatest Reset. And, oh, yeah, I can't I, wait. Yeah, it's going to be I'll amazing. Yeah. It's in, Thank you. Where has this been? You know, anyways, yeah. uh, that's awesome. And uh, if, if no one's seen you before, Patrick, you know, please tune in the Patrick Coffin Show. I mean, this podcast here, thank you, was amazing. So you're going to get a dose of that constantly if you tune into Patrick on his show. So mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much. And I'm inspired. Thank if you, you guys don't mind, I'm going to close with a prayer for our spiritual leaders and <clears throat> bishops mm -hmm. uh, and priests and uh, Protestant ministers. But uh, but let's let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, amen. Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. We pray that you send your Holy Spirit to give them the spirit of fortitude, to give our, our spiritual leaders, especially our bishops, give them the spirit of fortitude to stand against this tyranny in our times and to push back this great reset. And instead, let us have a revival in the land. And we pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father amen. and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Honored to be here, gentlemen. Thank you for your, your respective you. fatherhoods. You guys are crushing it. Honored to be here anytime.